we talk about wanting to be efficient as, as endurance athletes, the longer we want to go, we want to spend as little energy as possible to maintain our speed. Welcome to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. I'm Chip. And I'm Chris, and this is episode 17 of the show. Thank you so much for listening. This week, we have the one and only Nate Helming of the run experience on the show. Nate is a really good friend of mine. He's a CrossFit coach, triathlon coach, running coach, all sorts of strength and conditioning, and drops a lot of knowledge on this episode. A tremendous amount of like really, really well thought out positions and reasonings why he does certain things. And I mean, there was time, you'll notice that when he talks, there's very long chunks. It's because I'm literally, we're literally sitting here listening to him like, you know, teach us. And I'm just sitting back and listening like I'm yeah. back in school, but I'm thinking about all this stuff. It makes a lot of sense. So as, as they'd say in Boston, where he and I grew up, kids wicked smart. Oh, wicked, wicked smart. smart. And uh, so not only is he is he a good friend of Chris's, but we, we know that he could bring a lot of value to the audience as well. So I, I really enjoyed this podcast. And, you know, I think we we played it pretty well that Chris is yeah very pro Nate, if you want to say that. And I, I oh, wouldn't say I'm, I've drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago. Chris is on the Kool-Aid. I wouldn't say I I don't hate Nate. I like him very much as a person. I just haven't bought into the you know, I'm not on the working out with weights train yet, although that has actually changed in the last couple of weeks. But we don't want to spoil it all. There's more. What has our training been like this last couple of weeks? I feel you and I, Chris, have both really, really ramped our training. Yeah, I mean, I've been, um, I'm still on sort of the pre-kid training volume. Last week, oh. I somehow managed to work out 15 hours, which for me, that's that's a huge. That's significant, considering with kids and stuff. And when I was had more work to do, if I could get 10, I'd be pretty stoked. So it's been great to get a lot of volume in and just feeling stronger, feeling great. And you're doing, I feel, four to five rides a week? And yeah. the rest are runs? I'm doing, yeah, I'm basically just every other day riding the bike for a couple of hours. Um, and then, yeah, running either that same day or every other day as well. And then doing strength and uh, random stuff in between. Nice. Including, and including kids yoga with my daughter. I've been doing YouTube kids workouts as well. And it was, it just hit to be 80 plus degrees here in Marin, where Chris and I live. And I was making a target run and I saw some Gatorades, you know, like those big Gatorade when you were a kid that when they were mm -hmm. ice cold and you were like super dehydrated because yeah. you knew nothing about nutrition. What was your flavor? Fruit punch? No, the like glacier cherry or, See, you know, the white one. That shows how like young you are. Like when <laughs> I, I don't like fruit punch. Like or when, when I was, when I was coming up in there's the two game, flavors. it was like <laughs> lemon lime, orange, fruit punch and grape. <laughs> That's it. That's all you have. Well, I like the Glacier Cherry, which is one of their frost. It's in the frost line. Um, anyway, I bought a bunch of these at Target. Frost line. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole <laughs> line of frost ones. And uh, so my my daughter's been calling that because we gave her a little bit with cut it with water and ice, and she's a, this is workout juice. So yeah. she wants a workout juice, and we'll be doing like uh, air squat or something, and she'll stop, run up, take a big swig of workout juice and then come back i mean frankly if someone doesn't take that name and create a company right called now workout called juice? workout juice <laughs> it's a great name awesome so i've been doing kids yoga i've actually been doing a lot of peloton rides did a couple runs 
But uh, yeah, and potentially this weekend, it's my birthday weekend, and I was anticipating, or I'm trying to run a neighborhood, a significant amount of mileage, but just doing neighborhood loops, which I've done the Strava distance, and it's a half mile. So I said, if I do 33 loops for 33 years old, then I will run about 17 or 18 miles or something. I always forget how young you are. But then I might just turn it into a marathon, but probably not. Right. So I'll just set a little table up literally down the block, have shoes there, have the chair, have like some water bottles and an ice chest, some goose out, and I'll just run, you know, each lap will take me what, like five minutes maybe? You know, that's funny that-, that I'm like, going to get dizzy. You know, where, where <laughs> we live, it's it's so, I mean, it's suburban, but also like suburban on the line of rural that, that you could actually do that, like- I wouldn't say that, it's roll like, out like, here. Like my my first thought is someone's going to take someone's my table. Gonna steal that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do it w- when we lived in San Francisco. Oh, I mean no. that would be silly. It wouldn't be there after one lap. But like oh, damn, no. where my other shoes go? My Hoka's got swiped. Swipe or no. no swiping. Um, who our shout out this week is going to sound a little bit familiar, but it's also topical. Yeah. So this week we want to shout out Brent Molesbury. He's the RD of the Orcas Island. Uh, swim run including he he runs he puts on a bunch of races through their quest racing um in upstate washington up, up, state yeah n- washington state north pacific northwest yeah. <laughs> i guess it's not upstate that's like new york i guess it, i mean it is upstate washington i guess <laughs> yeah sure sure yeah. and uh this week he put out his race report for for atala catalina mm-hmm. which really wasn't that long ago but it feels like it was months ago at this point and uh, yeah, and we just—it was such a great race report. We'll link, we'll link the yep, the, the URL show in the show notes for people to check it out. But there was one story that I remember him telling us, but I didn't realize how ridiculous it was. And we'll give the abbreviated version. We'll give a really short version. And before you get started on that, I want to say the th- one of the points I found really interesting—it was his first swim run race. Yeah, you're hey. a race director of swim runs, but you've obviously it makes sense, right? He hasn't had time to go do his own race. And there's not yeah. a ton of them, so right. I just thought that was kind of cool. That's another cool, unique thing. But Chris, yeah, and and his wife, she she's she's the big racer. She's part of a sw- swim run labs, swim right? run yeah. labs team. So he's racing with his good friend Chris, and they're at Parsons Landing, which that was the swim that was really ridiculous with the <clears> swells and people falling, you know, ass over tea kettle and all that stuff. And if I remember, his partner. Is this big dude? He looks tall like guy. an extra from like Game of Thrones or something. Just as he had really long hair, right? He's and he tall guy, yeah, yeah, for sure, big dude. Um, so Chris's wife is also on Team Swim Run Labs, and they happen to catch up with them there. And she had lost her goggles, so he gives her her his goggles as a good husband should. That's nice. And then Brent is like, well, I can't swim that strong, so I'm gonna give him my goggles. So Brent is thinking that he has to swim four-ish miles without goggles. <laughs> And then luckily at the next, uh, at the Boy Scout camp or whatever, yeah. someone happened to have the next energy goggles. station. It was, uh, I mean, such a great story and teamwork across teams. It, it, like everything that's really funny and funky about Swim Run is like encapsulated yes. in this race report. So I encourage people to check it out and we'll link it in the show notes. Cool. And I think other than that, or we're pretty much ready to get on with the show. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a beefy show. It's nearing close to an hour probably, but a lot, a lot of really good content and some actual key tangible things that if you're looking to get into making yourself a stronger kind of athlete 
and you don't have weights in your garage or Target sold out or whatever, Nate gives you workouts to do. And then yep. we also is a good time to check out his website and his app, yep. The Run Experience. The Run Experience are the number one running channel on YouTube in the world, which is, I'm assuming that's pretty hard to do. It's impressive. And uh, yeah, Nate Helming, awesome guest, really good friend of mine, so I'm biased. But enjoy the show. With us today, we have Nate Helming. He's the co-founder of The Run Experience, and he's also a strength and fitness coach based in the Bay Area. I've known Nate for eight years, maybe. He was my personal... Eight years, man. Was it eight years? He's my personal triathlon coach back in the day. Really good friend of mine. I totally drank the Kool-Aid mm. of his belief that strength is a really important part of anybody's endurance regimen. And most recently with the run experience, which everyone should check out, he started a campaign called together. We move to help athletes through uh, the times of COVID and we're all really, types of athletes, all types of athletes, runners, swimmers, triathletes, swim runners, gymnasts with that. Nate, thank you so much for being on the show. It is a pleasure, gentlemen. It's so, nice to know that we are all recording from our respective places in the beautiful Marin County. Yes, we're all. We all are Marin, Marinites, Mar, Marinians, uh, North Marinites, people. Marinites. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like I said, full disclosure: Nate and I are really good friends. So, uh, this might be a little bit of inside baseball into sort of our history together. But Nate, for people that don't know you, can you give us sort of your biography in terms of? how you became this sort of world-known YouTube sensation fitness guru. Oh, snap. That's that's a lot of... Wow, lot world of, sensation. That's a lot of titles packed in there. Yeah. World sensation. So I'll, I'll do a, a quick synopsis, and then I'll get into it a little bit. I was a runner that was injured in triathlon, that was injured, that turned into strength coaching, and triathlon coaching that led to speaking and doing group classes and then to video and then to traveling and then to building a business called the run experience, which now has, you know, online video training for runners and, and to a certain degree triathletes and, and swim runners mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they can download and access all over. And in my story, which I'll get into a little bit more, uh, the current iteration of our business was to be able to help anyone uh, be able to have access to high quality coaching on movement to be able to problem solve their own injuries. Because a lot of times we will wait a very long time to go visit a doctor or a physical therapist. And a lot of times they're not necessarily the best sources for, for fixing a lot of the low level things. If I tear my ACL, go get surgery go see a physical therapist. If my hamstring or knee is kind of achy, you know, it doesn't meet their threshold, but it's still a problem. So how do we handle those things ourselves? And I just learned a lot over the years by, by mostly banging my head against the wall and, and having to, you know, kind of stumble and figure out, you know, so home solutions. And before the time of our current shelter in place, this was just to give people access who couldn't afford to go to a gym or they didn't have the resources in our area. Now it's, you know, more relevant than ever. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think uh, there's something that, that you've told to me over the years that, that I think, I think is, 
I always keep it in my mind. It's it's you know these little nagging injuries that when people don't deal with them, the niggles, the niggles. It's kind of like a ship that's at sea and it's off course by just a little bit, and it seems mm. like imperceptible, but after a long time, you're like fucking off course, uh, and and you could have handled it. You could have done the course correction early on. But you just kind of let it go, and then and then now you're full. No one, full blown no one injury. wants to swim extra distance. Right. Right. Having swam especially extra us. distance, we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, especially <laughs> us. So, uh, yeah, Nate and Chris have been a fan for a, a friends for a, for a while, and I met Nate at a wildflower where this is kind of local triathlon. Me and him went on the uh, a run together one during that training camp, and oh, we yeah, ran ten right. miles or so together. Uh, back 2013, 14-ish. But um, so Chris has always been into CrossFit and weight training. I have not been so much. And now the question I'll ask you, Nate, is why would I or any athlete do weight training in addition to their sport-specific, you know, swimming training and their running training or their cycling, whatever athlete you do, mm. what's the, like, net benefit that I'm going to get from adding – another discipline to an already kind of packed training schedule with swimming and running and, uh, you know, different things right. like that. It's a great question. It's a Thank great you. question. So most people find their sport, whether it's running or even triathlon or swim site or swim run for, I mean, for a few reasons, but one is just to get fit, right? Like we're, we're moms, we're dads, we are working. Um, we want to not only do something that will build our bodies up, but also, you know, have some fun, have some new experiences, you know, meet some different people along the way. And that looks different, obviously, depending on what age bracket and area of your life you're in. But we're in this really interesting predicament that a lot of people are coming into a sport because they want to get fit. But if we're being honest, especially if they've had a little bit of a break, they're actually not fit enough to execute or perform their sport without breakdown. And a great way to mm. kind of give you this, like, uh, to make this, like, kind of sink in a little bit more uh, is to talk a little bit about our notions of specificity, which is a, you know, tried and true. It's in every Bible you adhere to. There are some principle of specificity that says if you want to get good at one thing, you have to do more of that thing to get better. And that applies to swimming. We notice that when athletes go from swimming once a week to swimming three times a week to getting in the water mm. five or six days a week, like their swimming improves. Uh, same with other sports. But the, the problem is that it, it works until it stops working. And hmm. the context of our broader life is really, really important for this. Um, have either of you gentlemen, you fine learned gentlemen, have either of you read uh, Boys in the Boat? No. Nope. But I've been in a boat before when I was a young boy. <laughs> it's it's a it's a cool book. It's a real life story of the men's U.S. 1936 Olympic rowing team, mm. and they were like the Cinderella upset of the Cinderella upset story, wow. where the U United States, which was not dominant then at the time, beat the then very dominant Germans. Uh, in rowing, like during like, like, you know, Hitler's, <laughs> you know, reign, reign of the Olympics in 1936, the team 
that represented the U.S. was this school. It was University of Washington um, that beat all of the the heavy hitters, which were all the East Coast Ivy League uh, Ivy League schools. So it was like this small, like West Coast outfit that was like kind of just an upstart beat all the long established U.S. people, and then the U.S. generally wasn't favored. Then they go ahead and beat the Germans. And so you're just like listening to the story of their life. It's just more of just kind of fun read of the times. But, you know, my coaching brain is always turned on a little. And the coach at the time, you know, said this thing about specificity. He was like, hey, men, or however they talked to you in 1936, like during rowing season, I only want you to row. I don't want you to do anything else. Everything else must stop. And you're like, oh, specificity. That's like what we say now. Until you like, read the rest of the story and you actually saw their full lives the reason why he wanted these kids to stop doing other stuff was because these kids were lumberjacks in the summer they walked 10 to 15 miles a day they were like picking up logs they were like catching giant salmon out of rivers like these were just strong dudes they're not 21st century like humans i don't have calluses on my palms sitting hunched over my screen all day my hips and shoulders are stiff. My thoracic spine is super tight. I've got no extension. My shoulders have no range because my life doesn't demand it humans. So the notion of specificity at one point made perfect sense for humans who were lifting and moving and physically required because of life. Now in our life, we have engineered all inconvenience out of our life so much so <laughs> that you don't have to walk in an airport at all right you can just mm. go on the moving sidewalk like that's where we are as a human race people <laughs> yeah well it's, so, like, it's so, like it's like sitting is a new smoking i thought sitting used to be a break you know nice right, break. exactly right it's like hey when i <laughs> when i don't sit that much i'm gonna freaking sit and now all of a sudden we have to deal with that so that's a very long-winded way of saying when we go into our sport no one it doesn't matter who you are is going to be okay just doing their sport because they don't they don't have a lifestyle that is taking care of their range of motion, their strength, their stability. And so that's why we need to supplement it with other things. So, so I, I guess, I guess the caveat to that, unless you're a lumberjack in you know, 2020, mm. then, then you're probably good. Exactly. Um, so, so Nate, why don't we go, why don't we give people a little bit of your history? Because I feel like everything that you're saying again, cause I know you really well, like th this, this isn't just a theory, like, this happened to you, to your body, and you were able to rebuild it. And in that, in that process, sort of discover this better way. Yeah. So I, you know, played a lot of different sports in high school and I was only very much focused on like the season at a time. And, and in retrospect, that probably kept me pretty healthy and balanced. I would ski in the winter. I mountain biked a lot in the summer, did a little running. Um, I, like ran in the fall. Like I, I was, mm. I was played lacrosse. So I was like decently balanced all the way around. When I got into college, I focused more and more on running. And I started listening to the advice from a lot of running magazines, which was, Hey, if you do this thing, do more of it, run more miles, you know, ditch the other stuff. Like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't ski on the weekend. That's a little dangerous. I'll just run more. And so I, I've just sort of lost all this sort of general stuff that was actually keeping me pretty healthy and balanced. And I just became more fragile as an athlete. Well, pretty soon after college, 
uh, I was cross training so much to support my running. I was on the bike more. I saw a local, you know, triathlon race, got very excited uh, and tried that and then got into triathlon. I was like, this is cool, but like, let's all be clear. I didn't choose triathlon just because I chose triathlon because I was an injured runner. It was just, it was cross training more. So I kind of stumbled my way into a new sport. Um, I moved out to California, started racing longer distances, had a knack for some of the longer Ironman distance uh, races, and pretty soon had, was racing under 10 hours for that distance and was qualifying for the Ironman World Championships. And I, I all of a sudden, you know, I, I had bought a little bit more highway uh, by switching sports, but the same issues that were aggravating me in running just came back in triathlon. And I had these nagging low level injuries. They didn't show up on an MRI. They weren't anything that was broken. So when I went to see uh, an orthopedic surgeon or physical therapist, like they didn't really know what to do other than to give me some very basic exercises to, you know, strengthen things like, oh, well, maybe your glutes aren't very active. So you should turn those on. So I would do these glute activation exercises in the hope that as soon as I went outside running again, it would just work. And mm. it didn't, it didn't really work. And it, it also got me thinking then about like, wait a minute, how I'm not the only one who has this problem. How many other endurance athletes are slipping through the cracks? And that got me more into exploring coaching and strength training and, and looking into areas of strength and conditioning that most endurance runners have shunned. Uh, at the time, this is when CrossFit was starting to become more popular and, and not to, you know, fly the CrossFit flag in and of itself per se, but it was one of the first times that culturally as an athlete, I was exposed to bigger, broader, more functional lifts like squatting and front squatting and deadlifting shoulder pressing and pull up seen some of this before but not nearly that way and as soon as i started to get a little exposure to that it was like i'd been vitamin deficient this whole time mm. and i all of a sudden got what my body needed and after months of frustration after skipping kona because i was injured all of a sudden someone handed me a barbell and i just like felt better and i was i was i was more pissed than i was anything else at first um but yeah, that just got me into this uh, this new path. So these like little niggle injuries that you had kind of forced you to skip, arguably maybe the largest race, amateur race in the world, uh, and that sort of sounds like that was like the catalyst for you to kind of explore that and the CrossFit sort of popularity happening is like the perfect sort of crossroads yeah, for you and, and, in your life. It and, sounds and, like. and Nate won't say this, but he qualified for Kona cause he won Oceanside 70.3. So that's not a, no slouch. That's no slouch. It's so, a very competitive. No slouches around early here. season California um, race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was, I was crestfallen. You know, that was a pain. We all have, you know, painful, moments and sometimes and, and thankfully I, I i can point to that experience now putting me like if that didn't happen i don't know if i'd be doing a lot of the things i'm doing now so in that respect i can be thankful but guys it sucked like oh, yeah. i had my whole family fly out to hawaii to watch me sit Ooh. on the sidelines and i remember the day after kona watching everyone with their like orange race bracelets on and just sunburns and just kind of that like 
satisfied, like kind of limping around. And yeah. I was just, wow. oh man, that was painful. That must, so I, that I just, I gutted. know what it's like for anyone who's listening, who's dealt with injuries. I know what it's like. That's, that's, that's horrible. So I feel for you there. So I feel like, so, so that, that kind of got you on this path to, okay, I think I figured something out. I think there's a lot of people that could, that could be served by this. Um, and that's definitely, that's kind of where I showed up in the picture in, in sort of your universe. So we had mutual friends. You showed up to a group workout I was at and, and you just said something to me that it just, it's just now it seems, you know, profound at the time I was like, Oh my God, I've never heard this before, but you were talking about strength for triathletes. And it was like, yeah, you're a triathlete. You should be able to, you know, walk out your house and just run a 5k. No problem. You should probably be able to jump on a bike and, bike 20 miles without even thinking about it swim a you know a thousand yards it's like don't you think you should be able to do 10 push-ups and maybe squat mm-hmm. correctly mm-hmm. and you know maybe even be able to do a pull-up uh, or 10 and to me that was just like yeah you know like i want to be like a well-rounded person um i want to actually a strong be strong athlete um i mean for years that we worked together and we trained together i mean it, there was this progression this is pre pre-children where, I mean, there was just no, there was no plateauing. I just kept getting stronger, kept doing dumber shit, uh, crazier events. And just, I just had like a lot of, um, uh, I don't know how to say it. Like I just had a lot of buffer in being able to do things. Cause I was, I was strong enough to just be able to do kind of crazy stuff. Now I want to head this off because I think, <laughs> a, a, I think a lot of people, or at least, you know, if I'm listening to this, I'm kind of thinking, because this is the the excuse that I have used before. So you have on this podcast, you have Chris, who's like all the way in one camp with Nate in the, hey, cross training and lifting weights is really cool. And you have Chipper over here. And I'm like, hey, if I honestly, I can't do probably 10 pushups right now and I have to go to my knees and I'm just yeah. being real talk right now. But um yeah. You know, Chris, when he says he's getting really strong, he didn't, when I would meet up with him, hey, you want to go for a run? It's not like he's going out there and he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the 80s, you know, just this huge jacked muscle-bound guy. He just looked leaner and meaner. And he was really yeah. mean to me. Um, and he kicked yeah. me one time. No, well, I'm <laughs> You know, it's funny. There was this one time was- where, Chip, where Chipper, I actually convinced Chipper and this other friend of ours, Phil, to come to the Y and do a workout with me. Yeah. And they, uh, I invited them back, and they didn't come. I came. Wow. Well, you came that first time, but then you didn't come again, because I wow. think uh, I think I put you through the paces a little, a little too too much too, too aggressive. Soon, so I, you know, so I'm acutely aware of how intimidating it can be to go into the gym. Similarly, you know, for first time triathletes or swimmers, like the thought of showing up at that first track run, or the thought mm-hmm. of you know, going to like a master swim, you know, you sort of picture like all of these like perfect athletic humans who've been doing this since they were three years old and they will immediately notice that you're not one of them and you will be shunned. In most worlds that I know of, that doesn't really exist, you know, other than in our, in our brains, like you'll quickly realize once you go in, you're like, Oh, they're just like me. They're trying to wake up before their kids um, yeah. have to go to school so they can get a workout in. And like, oh, that's cool. This person is like 70 and they go super slow. But you know what? They've been out here for 30, 40 years. That's kind of cool. You know, like there's there's all levels. And with the strength, it's no different. It's really about the idea of practice. 
and chipper for someone like you who'd say it's like hey you know what like life i got kids work i don't have time to go to a gym you know i like to start all my athletes with just body weight training like the four basic movements that i start all athletes on are the squat the push-up the lunge and the burpee and if you can master those four movements not only can you build yourself up pretty well, you can do these easily in a hotel room or in an airport or wherever you are. You could add a backpack or luggage or whatever. Or a child. Uh, a little a child. bit of weight. Yeah, but then you're Your learning own, the hopefully. foundations. Totally. You're learning the foundations to, to add weight if you ever want to at some point. Okay. So, Nate. You've convinced me and you've convinced all the listeners that we need to do. I'm not, hold on. I'm not trying to be a, di a dick. Sorry. We're, we're on board, right? What would be, and I haven't lifted weights in let's just say three years or the listeners don't have any dumbbells or kettlebells at their house. What would you recommend as like a kind of an ease into it? Because I have, Chris has inspired me and I have had a little niggle in my left ass cheek that every time I climb a hill, mm. when I'm running trails, bugs me and I have to take it easy and I can't run the downs as downhills as as well sure. as I want to. So I'm on board. Like, so I've recently started in the last couple, two weeks, let's say I'm, I'm I won't overstate my, my situation here, but I have been doing exactly that body weight exercises. I got some sandbags here and I have like 20, 25 pounds that I've been doing squats on. And if I can't hang, I just ditch the sandbag. So if I want to get started and I don't want to be blasted for four days because my quads are wrecked because I, you know, try to squat 225 uh, 15 times at, at the gym, like going in, uh, you know, pistols mm. are blaring. What are what what's sort of like your prescription, so to say, for I'm getting started. I haven't worked out in a while. What's some things I can do sure. at home with no equipment? How many times a week? You know, just give me a little little breakdown so, here for the sure. listeners. So I think it's I think if we want to go into the the you know the specifics in that respect, I would say that it's it's perfectly reasonable for most humans to to be doing two strength and conditioning sessions a week in addition to their sport. <clears throat> These sessions could be as short as thirty minutes, um, maybe okay. at times a little longer, and there could be a little ebb and flow, right? Like let's say you're getting closer to some events you particularly care about. You know, these events could be tapered off a little bit more just from a movement mobility section, keep your body open. But hey, we're in a time right now as this is being recorded, where it's like, maybe we don't have a lot of races on our calendar. Maybe we have a little bit more time. We're not doing as much structured training in the pool. Hey, here's an opportunity to be a little bit more aggressive here. And I'll, I'll say a few things about the soreness there is the knuckleheaded degree of like, oh man, I just did a hundred of something and I can barely lift my arms after. Let's say you do that by actually going back in a couple of days later and doing some of those movements again, that will actually help expedite your recovery and mm -hmm. get you on sore. So if you did a bunch of pushups and presses, some sort of pressing and overhead motion is actually going to help with the shoulders. So it's one of the weird things we just have to remember just with running or with cycling, the very same activity that digs us into a hole. If I do a really hard uh, 5k or half mile running is the very same thing that can help me recover, right? That easy run a couple of days after it's no different from squats, lunges, pushups, all that, all that stuff. I agree with you there. And I think Chris is going to say the same thing. Like as an athlete, once you kind of 
it's almost a level of maturity. Once you kind of, it clicks for you that, hey, you just did a, your race or an effort, that 20-minute, super easy, 10-minute mile pace, little jog around, move some blood, will do way more good for you than taking three days off. Like, once that clicks for you, it's kind of a really counterintuitive thing, but just like you said, you know, that, that sort of helps clear out the, yeah, that the mo- rhubarb. that movement is really helpful. And, you know, there are a few caveats. One, like, let's say you did a bunch of squats and you squat again the next day and your knee kind of hurts. And it's like, well, one, maybe there's something a little off with your squat mechanics that we mm-hmm. can look at. And two, maybe your quad is a little tight. You've got something that needs a little bit of addressing from a mobility standpoint. So we work on that. But you could also say, you know what, today I'm not going to do squats because those hurt. So I'm going to do some deadlifts instead. My legs a little straighter, less less pressure and flexion in the knee, more hamstring and glute. Like right, so we can always think about it that way. But for anyone who's starting, the general prescription I aim for in terms of total volume is something like 20 to 30 repetitions of something. If you're doing 20 to 30 repetitions of something for the first time, for most people, you should finish feeling a little tired, you're maybe mm-hmm. a little sore the next day, but you're not blown out. That's like where I like to start. Gotcha. So, and and I'm assuming, I don't put words in your mouth though. So let's pretend that someone, or you prescribed that kind of four little circuit that you have, overhead press, lunge, squat, and burpee. Maybe you did mm-hmm. three sets of 10 or four sets of, I can't math that quick, but anyway, five sets of five or whatever it is, <laughs> the math, that math didn't add up. I know. Um, but that sounds like the, the proper way that you're, that you would sort of prescribe things. Yeah. A fun ladder I like would be to do this. Um, you would do a ladder of starting with two squats and then you do two pushups and then you do four squats and four pushups and you go six and six, eight and eight, 10 and 10. If you go all the way up to 10, that's 30 reps of each. If you're someone who wanted to stop early, you could stop at eight and that would be 22 reps of each, right? So you'd have a little volume. Let's say you're advanced, you want to go further, go two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, and then you'd be all the way up to 42 reps. Wow. And this is all just body weight stuff. Body weight stuff. On the way back down, do lunges and burpees. 10, eight, six, four, two, lunges and burpees on the way back down. And it's kind of a fun way, the, the ladder... Uh, especially on the way up, you can, with the low volume, you can really focus on one of the things we want to avoid with strength and, and actually with a lot of sports is this notion of task completion. And what I mean by task completion is I am just going to close my eyes, grit my teeth and get myself through this no matter how. Mm. And there are times where that's appropriate, right? Like you're swimming and uh, it's the end and you're tired. Like, you're like, you're not going to be like, Hey, let me slow down and work on this drill. Right. You're like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm drilling it. I am yeah. <laughs> cruising here just to finish. So there's a time and place for everything. But when we do these ladders, what's cool is, is we say, Hey, can you give me two really good quality pushups? You're screwing your hands into the ground. Your shoulders are nice and stable. You're not collapsing through the upper mm-hmm. body. Your butt is squeezed, your quads are flexed, your pelvis is in a nice locked in position. And then can you come back and can you do four without breaking down? Here's the thing. We all have moments of breakdown. It's not to say no one does. 
our, our goal is to push our breakdown somehow past uh, our finish line with maybe a little buffer, as Chris said earlier, because, hey, imagine if you swam, uh, you had a, a two-mile swim race, and you swam off course, and all of a sudden you swam a half a mile off course. You're like, well, oh God. half a mile from the finish line, that's, that's I like can't swim nightmare. anymore because that's, that's like all a, I've trained for, so I guess I'm just going to wait audience. for someone to pick me up, right? Like that, that seems insane. So like we need the ability to buffer ourselves through. And by building up the ladder this way, you start to see where your point of breakdown is. And then you have a decision to make. Am I going to go into task completion mode? Am I going to make this ugly as sin? Or am I going to realize that I'm in my garage and this is not on Strava and no one cares how fast I finish this thing and I can stop and be like, hey, how much of a break do I need before I can put this together? And then can I string together higher quality doses under an increasingly challenging environment? So this is a lot of knowledge. So I'm just going to plug it and we'll plug it again at the end. Yeah, of the I show. was going to say this is a lot of stuff if, where, you know, the, the run experience, their app has all these workouts, has training plans, has specific workouts, has recovery stuff. So, you know, you sh people should definitely check that out if they want to get some sort of visual of what these things look like. I mean, I will say, Nate, that, you know, Chipper was talking about having his problem with his with his hip. And during this long mm. run we were on, I pretty much diagnosed it. I was like, hey, stand here for a second. Can you do a little bit of a squat? I was like, oh, your knee's collapsing on your right side. You probably need to do, mm -hmm. uh, you know, deadlifts and, and like single leg deadlifts and some more squats. And that should probably, that'll strengthen up what's happening if it's only happening on the uphills and not the downhills um and it was and he was just looking at me i was like yeah man i've, I've been hearing this stuff for years you know yeah yeah um, and that's really cool right because here's the deal we and this is something that it took me a while to like fully learn and appreciate but like we as human beings we are wired for movement we are not wired for musculature and currently hmm. our our strength and healthcare system talks more about musculature than it talks about movement. So right now, you know, when you go see, when I was injured and I saw PTs, one of the issues and fundamental breakdowns was the approach. It was, it, in certain respects, it was backwards. Rather than talking about movement and better mechanics, they were talking about anatomy and muscu musculature. So they would say, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh <laughs> We're just being good listeners. <laughs> Rather, yeah, there we go. They would they would basically say, "Hey, your glute medius isn't firing, so you need to do these random exercises to 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 strengthen your glute medius." On the hope that they would all of a sudden just work for you in other times when you weren't thinking about it, which is sort of like paint by number. You know, like you give like a mm -hmm. colored grid. It's like put yellow in this quadrant and red in this and here and here. And all of a sudden, if the grid goes away, you'll be turned into an artist. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So what Chris did with you, Chipper, was said he saw the knee wasn't, was caving in a little bit, which is basically another way of saying, hey, your glute medius isn't firing because your glute medius is in charge of stabilizing and externally rotating your hip. It's when you squat and your knee came in, which is a lot easier to see and pronounced then the muscle itself, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden we could be like, Hey, your knees moving in, which probably means your hips aren't working right. If you just drive your knee out, you don't even need to think about the muscle. The muscle is firing because that's what it does to, to stabilize the knee. So all of a sudden, if we can just, we can focus on a much simpler model 
that's much more DIY and we feel much more empowered in the process. That's a wealth of information. And also I'm a very visual person. So Chris mentioned the app. You also have your YouTube channel, right? And mm. I know it is called the quote unquote run experience, but a lot of the things that you're doing uh, translates across just general, it should maybe be called like the athlete experience or something like, you know, it's not just about running on there. There's a lot of other stuff that can be taken um, and translated or adapted to other sports or athletic endeavors, I, I will say. Um, so it's the run experience yeah, on YouTube, right? Yep, it is. Thank you. Yeah, we... Um, we'll link know, it in the show notes, sort of, of realized Totally. Like we've sort of realized that, you know, let's say squatting, for example, there's no like running specific squat or soccer specific squat or mm. anything else. So to, to tell athletes that, Hey, we're going to do a swim run specific strength exercise. It's, it's a little bit of a shell game. It's like, no, we actually want you, you do plenty of specific work when you swim and when you run, this time is actually specifically general. We want you to be good athlete and we want you to learn principles that if you do it in this stuff, like it can be applied to any sport that you do. And in that respect, um, you're absolutely right. It's, it really should be the athlete experience. He's going to waive his consulting fee for that feedback, by the way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, there we hey, go. I don't know if I will. <laughs> um, so, so Nate, so let's talk about the run experience a little bit. That's been going on for, I think like five years, almost six, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about how that began and how it's evolved to, to what you're doing now, which is really, I mean, you have this app, you have run workouts, you can go for a run and plug in to the app and hear a conversation about strength and different things. I mean, it's pretty cool. I was just, I went on a run yesterday and I was listening to the episode with Dean Carnassus. Um, oh, cool. Which was, it was super cool. Just running and, and getting like running related content was, was pretty cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of the run experience? Yeah. What is it? So when we started the run experience, uh, my, my partner and I, Craig Desanos, uh, was someone who, who had come into the gym, who I had, had worked on and helped. He was in between businesses and he wanted to, you know, start something and learn a little bit more about like digital marketing in the space. And for me, I was at a time where I was pretty maxed out with uh, coaching one-on-one -on -one athletes and classes at my gym, San Francisco CrossFit, and then, you know, coaching endurance athletes online. Um, so I was ready to try something different. And what I wanted to do was figure out how to give some version of the experience that I could deliver to athletes one-on-one -on -one or in a class uh, online, right? To the mom, in West Virginia training for her first half, I wanted her mm. to have good resources and mechanics to learn how to squat or do a push up or learn something like the couch stretch if her knees hurting while she's ramping up her, her mileage. So we started with video based running programs and the current technology at the time was basically a spreadsheet, right? And even to this day, a lot of online running programs designed incredibly thoughtfully by the best running coaches out there. So I'm not throwing any shade on the run workout portions would literally just have the spreadsheet that says run three miles today, run Hills tomorrow, rest or cross train or yoga on the next day. And that's like the level of information you got as a runner. So 
coming back full circle to what we were seeing in the beginning, so many people out there are downloading these plans because they're just trying to run to get fit, but they aren't fit enough to run yet. And their resources are just so lacking in these, in these run programs that were out there. Very interesting. So I, I'm hearing this and I'm thinking in my head, okay, let's say I have, I'm a swim runner and I have five run workouts a week ranging from 20 mm -hmm. minutes to maybe two hours. And then I have three, maybe four on a good week swim workouts ranging from an hour to maybe two hours. And it sounds like if I am listening to Nate and uh, all your, your great advice and, and very well-educated thoughts, um, it sounds like I should be adding two to three, 20 to 30 minute, maybe body weight workouts, maybe a very lightweight workout or grab my backpack, throw a couple books and maybe get 50, 40, 50 pounds on my back and try doing some squats and burpees. That sounds, mm -hmm. in your opinion, I could forgo maybe one run workout and supplement one to two strengths workouts. That would not be a loss of run um, improvement. That would actually, that wouldn't be a negative on my run game. That would actually improve the run game by adding in these strength sessions. Yes. I, there's, I, I am not a scientist, um, you know, but there are studies out there about, you know, we could, we could have the argument from the, you know, uh, running economy standpoint. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. The more muscularly engaged and stronger we are, the better economy we have. Um, so there's that level. I'd say that everyone has, you know, key sessions in their training pain each, each week, mm -hmm. you know, if it's running, it's probably some interval session. Uh, it might be a run that's pushing distance, depending what you're doing, or maybe something that's like tempo intervals. Like we don't want to replace those where we can give ourselves a little room, um, would be some of those days that we're just going out to run just for the sake of it, where it's just an easy thing. And what we could say is like, look, why don't we shorten that day to maybe like a mile warm up or cool mm -hmm. down? Uh, but then yes, we'll benefit more in certain circumstances from the strength and conditioning piece. But there is a lot of it depends, uh, Chipper, because sure. let's say you're someone who has an incredible strength and conditioning foundation. You know what? Like you probably don't need all the supplemental stuff, so go run more, right? But if you're an athlete who is hanging on the edge of injury and just every time, like you're just kind of dipping and ducking with injuries all the time, mm -hmm. I might cut your running back even more. I might say, hey, maybe you can only run twice a week and we should get you even stronger because that's what your body, it sounds like it says it needs. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, for my whole life, I've been, Hey, just the, I'm only going to run, bike and swim. Or if I was doing triathlon, uh, I did do some work with, uh, Mike O actually, who we've had on the show before, uh, at purple patch. And we did have a kind of a functional strength program that was 20 to 30 minutes, two times a week. And I definitely mm -hmm. feel that I was in the best shape and felt the most quote unquote, like bomb proof or like athletic when I was doing those. And I wasn't throwing crazy weights around. I was, I'm never the guy to be trying to like max out my bench press or any stuff like that. Like it was a lot of single leg body weight, you know, lunges holding, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 pound dumbbells, like not crazy weights for a big, you know, 180, 200 pound male. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm just, 
I guess I'm yeah, trying to use I this think, as my own personal it, <laughs> prescription. For, for, for sure. It doesn't, it doesn't always need to be a lot. So we always have to realize that A, something is better than nothing. So getting this in anyway, even if it's one day a week, one day a week is better than zero days a week, right? So we, yeah. we want to like start and realize from there. Um, body weight is better again than, than not going to a gym. And then, yeah, if you have the ability to mix things up with something that is an external load, that external load is incredibly valuable because it forces us to stabilize and engage in ways that we just can't otherwise. So like when we sprint, we go up a hill or when we do on the bike to get super geeked out, if we do like low cadence, big ring intervals, right? We're just putting a ton of force through the pedals and we're doing that in a way that increases the demand on our bodies. Like we talk about wanting to be efficient as, as endurance athletes, the longer we want to go, we want to spend as little energy as possible to maintain our speed. Right. So another word of that is say lazy. We want to be as lazy as possible as we can while maintaining the speeds we want to go and engage as little as possible. When I'm in the gym, I want the opposite. I don't want to be lazy in there. What I want is I want to put myself in positions that require the most amount of physical engagement to get all of those muscles firing, to be as absolutely online and engaged as possible. And that's where heavier lifting can be valuable. But you can also do this just with body weight. You know, take your regular plank. And all of a sudden go towards a single leg plank or a single arm plank and try to hold that without your hip shifting. You've all of a sudden increased that load and that uh, you've introduced a little rotational demand that's that's quite challenging. Uh, and that's just a great way to do it. Like take your squat and focus on, uh, Chris, you remember shrimp, squ- shrimp squats? Sure. Do you remember those guys? Yeah. Pistol squats, right? Single leg squats. Like if we start to do those, all of a sudden we've just increased the demand uh, and the load at the same time. So there's those movements don't have to be high volume. They could be three to five reps, or if you're doing like a single arm plank, try to hold it for 20 to 30 seconds to start. You know, that's a great way to, to do that. Nice. And, uh, to bring this like kind of back to swim run a little bit, uh, those sort of stabilizing muscles that you're building up by doing these, you know, single leg squats and these other things where you're adding load, um, you know, you're not just running like swim runs, almost the opposite of triathlon. You're running on usually technical trails. You're coming in and out of mixed terrain, like water, sand, slippery, Mm -hmm. algae filled rock up a trail roots. You need all those like stabilizing muscles to help. And it's pretty, cause I just started from, you know, let's call it ground zero. I'm here trying to do a plank and I'm shaking like a, like a dog shit in peach pits. But, um, (laughs) you know, I'm over here, and I could. It's is pretty. That, is that a real expression, or you just make it up? Have you ever seen a dog poop peach pits? No. Oh man, it's crazy. I'll send you a video. Um, <laughs> you too, Nate. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my god. And uh, don't, don't send me that. Okay. I'll just get Chris's. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell yeah, you. About get it. his take <laughs> on it. Um, it was pretty <laughs> eye-opening to me about when I'm trying to do these exercises that I would consider like pretty basic and rudimentary, like how much of a struggle I'm having. But also I was thinking, man, my ankles like really moving around after doing this for a month or two, my ankles going to be a lot stronger. So I won't be worrying about being so nimble on the trails going downhill. Like it's probably going to give me more confidence and stuff. So 
I just found that to be mm-hmm. a pretty cool thing. And I'm sure that that sort yeah. of you found that in your own personal experience coming from, you know, having the, the niggle type injuries um, to you kind of felt more more bomb proof, yeah. I guess. You know, going going back to earlier aspects of my story, when I started to, you know, after my Kona experience where I, where I failed, I started, you know, working with some trainers uh, that were helping me out. And we didn't really have too much of a playbook other than like, oh, a lot of other triathletes have done this, so do this too. It was like, hey, we're going to like just experiment with more aggressive lifting. And at the time, wasn't able to race. I wasn't able to run that much. So we were sort of using this to build my fitness and body up and then allow me to take more running, like handle more running when I could. And, you know, it was, it was a process, but over the next six, nine months, I was starting to perform at higher levels prior to my injury. And, you know, over the next few years, probably to my best athletic years ever while I sort of maintained a much more aggressive approach towards strength and conditioning mm. than a lot of my competitors and peers. So there's the element of, hey, uh, there's a health longevity component to this. Um, there's a fun exploration component to this because I'm meeting new people and learning new things. And I think to a certain degree, at least I enjoy that. And then there's also the performance benefit. It's like, hey, doing this stuff makes me better right? Like I, this kind of checks all the boxes. And I know for me, it's, it's going to stay in my life one way or another, whether I'm in the gym lifting and working out, or right now I'm doing handstands against my door and lifting soup cans loaded into my, my backpack. Wait, you're doing that right now? Like right now? That's amazing. <laughs> I think he means today. I got you guys on oh. mute while I'm, while oh. I'm doing, while I'm doing my sets. <laughs> Is it chicken noodle soup or is it like a minestrone? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I found the like... Campbell's were a little heavier. Or those big pro- progressive, progresso, yeah, not exactly. progressive, that's insurance. The New England clam chowder, that creamy base, <laughs> you know, that really adds some look. Perfect. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to touch a little bit on, on this, the swim and run piece, just from a mechanic Perfect. standpoint, because how you sit and stand throughout the day and how you move your arms is going to really affect both sports. And we all see the runner, you know, what do they start to look like when they break down, right? Their upper body gets a little hunched over their shoulders start to round in. And that's just like a universal sense of fatigue, right? Like we all just kind of hunch our shoulders round in and our elbows start to flare out. And then you can see the runner, their arm swing doesn't look as North South anymore. It starts to look more East West, right? Have you guys seen that? Yep. So it starts to go more across the body. What happens when we get tired when we swim? Like, where does the arms go? Uh, I've noticed I get real lazy on the when I'm casting out. I I'm not a great swim mechanics person, but my my reach. my reach when I'm reaching out, mm-hmm. I notice sometimes in the pool, like if we're doing a big five six thousand yard swim, that five thousand yep. plus yards, I'm like my arms dragging, like I got like a three pound dumbbell on it like it's hitting the water it's skidding along you know just yeah the cast isn't as as good and obviously the the catch in the pool um sure not as powerful and and have you guys ever had trouble like swimming in a straight line yes like when you're sighting like how (laughs) often do you have to sight the first part of knowing you have a problem is admitting that you have one and we have a swimming straight problem (laughs) sometimes hey i'm probably too right I, i remember learning this so i can remember in the beginning when i was swimming 
I went to sight every like three strokes. Yep. And I realized what was happening was that my arms weren't just extending out in front. As I got tired, they started to cross over, right? Like kind yeah. of that imaginary line that extends out of our body. So if I'm crossing over a lot, all of a sudden, like what Chris said very early on, it's like you're just starting to just swim off course a few degrees. And if you keep that up, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what I'm saying is the, the breakdown in fatigue with running, my upper back gets a little hunched, my shoulders internally rotate and round, my elbows start to swing out to the side is the same thing you start to fatigue swimming and that arm doesn't extend all the way and it starts to cross over more, mm-hmm. right? It's the same fundamental breakdown, just appearing in slightly different ways and in, in different positions. So we want to think about the, the key here is to think about like, look, there's only so many ways the body breaks down. Guess what? When we're all panicked, we all start breathing panicky in our chest and our shoulders, right? There's universal stress. You know, when, when we lose hip position, everyone's knee collapses in. It doesn't matter what the sport is. So it's, it's on us for our individual sport, and this is where the specificity comes, is just to understand and marry these general principles of where I start to break down and fall apart and how does it look like and what does it feel like when I'm doing my thing. So back to those push-ups in that ladder, if you're able to, to you know, screw those hands in the ground, I use that cue to externally rotate and stabilize the shoulders, kind of like keeping your shoulder blades squeezed together when you, when you move. Um, my elbows are going to track inwards more towards my rib cage and, and stay nice and close. Um, when I start to fatigue, I lose that shoulder stability. My elbows start to wing out. And that's where you see some people do push-ups and their elbows starting to fly out to the mm-hmm. side. That is the swimmer who starts to cross over. That is the runner who starts to get hunched over and run with this east-west inefficient arm swing. It's the same movement fault. Mind's blown. I mean, get your get your fucking notepads out here, folks. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of goodness, but Nate, we've taken a lot of your time. I'll, we Chris, should really have had the cameras on, huh? We should have, yeah. <laughs> so, so Nate, before we go, I really want to touch on the Together We Move campaign that um, yeah. that the Run Experience is doing in collab with Fleet Feet. You want to just mention a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have uh, partnered up with uh, Fleet Feet Sports, which is a, a national chain of independent running stores, and uh, to deliver uh, daily at-home training to work on these very things we've talked about, uh, improving your running and running mechanics, challenging your speed, uh, to dropping like really cool, mindful audio runs and like little mini like podcast interviews with people like cool people like Dean Carnassus, um, to doing strength and mobility and at home workouts that will just give you something to do while you're home. And I, I honestly think that for those of us who are, fortunately healthy, especially we're able to still work uh, and our families are okay, you know, athletically, we can come out of this probably in a better place than when we went in, you know, if we kind of use this time to focus on these things, but we just want to give athletes those resources. So every day there's new workout host in the run experience app. And a lot of the workouts are from us and from fleet feet, but we also have a lot of guest contributors too. So, for example, we have uh, uh, Des Linden who's contributing something, and we actually be doing a live show with her tomorrow. 
uh, on when we film this on on Friday. We will have uh, other big runners uh, out there as well as just like or necessarily runners, but just the strength and movement space. And Nate, and that's and you can find that. Obviously, you can go to therunexperience.com for more information. We'll listen to the show notes, but you can also just download the app. And, and this content is free. Is that correct? Yep. It's a free program in the app. All you need to do is download it. You can find that from uh, our website, therunexperience.com. You can find it off our YouTube channels. It's in our Instagram bio uh, ah. that you can go there at the run experience. And, you know, we have uh, a series of, of, free workouts and programs uh, to access our entire library of workouts and programs to get direct coaching from us. You know, we do have a premium membership. You could sign up for a year for 119 bucks. It's like 10 bucks a month. Um, or you could do a monthly membership as well. And, you know, train for whatever. Take, take it to the next level. I literally just downloaded the app. I searched the run experience oh, on my, awesome. on my, iPhone and I'm downloading it now. Um, so I think Love for it. free, what Nate's telling us mm -hmm. is for no additional cost, you don't need any equipment. You can become a better swim runner. Better anything. Better anything. Better person. Better lumberjack, whatever you are. Mm -hmm. um, just by doing these movements that are uh, That's right. functional. Yeah. Well, Nate. And for those of you who say, hey, I don't have time to mobilize or I don't own a foam roller, I'm pretty sure you all have a wine bottle or coffee mug out there, and those will do just fine. That's true. That's good to know. That's true. So, <laughs> Nate. I've been just drinking the wine all along. Here I am, <laughs> well, some big idiot, just drinking the wine bottle. The bottle, the bottle, bottle. could be empty. Oh, okay. You there you go. It that way. Yeah. So, Nate, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show. Uh, it's kind of funny for me because we're really good friends. So, it's you know, I was trying to find a way to get you on the show. So, might as well have it be, like, official. You know what I mean? I like it. It's fun to be on here. You guys are great. Yeah. Great. So, so, with that, you know, you can find Nate at therunexperience.com. The YouTube channel is, like, the number one running YouTube channel in the world on YouTube. Uh, check out the app. And with that, Nate, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank Sweet. you. Thank you for listening to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. You can also sign up for a newsletter at lowtideboys.com. That's boys with a Z. And check out our meme page at the Low Tide Boys on Instagram. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show, drop us an email at lowtideboys at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Writing Easy Records for our show music. And, of course, our wives for their support and tolerance of our swim run activities, hobbies, and other bullshit we do. <laughs> Finally, you can support our efforts on Patreon. Until next time, get out there and go for a swim. And then a run. And then another swim. Then another run. And then another swim. And then run to the finish line. And just keep going until you're done. Yes. Or until run you to cross the, or, the finish line. Or run to the car. Or run to your car. Somewhere. Just keep running. Peace. Peace.